Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. And uh, what's funny about that uh, Rob Dog comment is uh, my, uh, you know how grandparents have like nicknames, you know, when uh, the grandkids, it's kind of like a, a thing to to have like a special, you can't just be called grandma and grandpa anymore, right? You got to be called like a special, special name. Well, my dad uh, to my kids is Big Dog. Uh, and so I thought it was appropriate that uh, the next generation would be Rob Dog, you know. So, so it works. <laughs> Thanks for the intro. Oh goodness! Well, I I am so blessed to be able to be here. Uh, I'm I'm grateful that Pastor Keith uh, invited me, and uh, I've enjoyed. I, you know, I've been uh, with you guys before, and I've enjoyed each time that I've been here. So, just blessings on you as a church family. Thank you, thank you, Kevin and team, for leading worship and just pointing us to the Lord this morning. You know, we all, when we come together on a Sunday morning, we are all participating together as worshipers. We are all together joining to uh, sing praises to the Lord. It's not just the team. We're all worshiping together. We're all, in a sense, leading worship, responding to the Lord and who he is. And and uh, we've got to do that together. We've all got to show up. we all got to sing. Can you imagine if uh, the team was up here and everybody just had their hands in their pockets and just stared at them? That would be a pretty dull experience, right? <laughs> but as it is, man, when you when you engage with the Lord, when you respond to the truth of who he is, man, something happens, right? Something beautiful. There's like a spiritual response to the beauty of the Lord. And that's what, that's what, that's why we gather to remember who God is and to respond to Him. I loved what Brother Andrew said about real faith leads to real obedience. And I think that's what we all, as we, just Sunday morning is just a, just a snapshot of that, right? We're commanded to praise the Lord, to worship Him. And it's just a snapshot of what it means to be a Christ follower, what it means to be in the body of Christ. Uh, and so as we dive into the word this morning, I want to dedicate our time uh, as another part of our worship service to the Lord. Um, he, he has spoken to us through his word. And so uh, we, that's why we set aside time every Sunday morning together to fellowship and understand and dive deeper into his word. But then hopefully in your own time, with the Lord, you have devoted yourself to the study of God's word, to hiding it in your heart. As the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so let's dedicate our time to the Lord uh, as we as we step into his word. So, Father, thank you so much that you have spoken to us through your word. You've spoken to us through your spirit. You have uh, brought us together. You have made us alive in Christ. You did not leave us dead in our trespasses and sins, but you made us alive with Christ. Thank you that you've given us your spirit to do the work that you have called us to do. And thank you that you are sovereign over everything. And we can trust you. So as we come to you this morning... 
we, we dedicate this time to you. We ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see wondrous things from your word, that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so as uh, Pastor Keith told me that you guys have been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, really uh, diving into the idea that church health matters, right? Church health matters, and it's uh, and it's and it does right. It's it's true. Just like bodily health matters, church health matters. And so as you look at the the church at Corinth, uh, you kind of see there were there were some places where they needed to be uh, reprimanded. There were some places that they needed to be corrected. There are some places that, but also that they were uh, encouraged in. There was there was a work of the Spirit going on in their midst. When I read 1 Corinthians, I, uh, I'm encouraged because that church wasn't perfect, and yet they made it in the Bible, right? <laughs> I'm also encouraged that, man, uh, God, God was doing some really big things with some really broken people. And I'm encouraged by that. I'm also challenged because you, you see the way that Paul, the Apostle Paul speaks to this church, and he says, hey... It's, you know, it's by grace you've been saved, but come on people, let's get with it. God didn't call you to just stay in that state. Press on into obedience, press on into righteousness. Uh, I'm kind of reminded of when I, when I read 1 Corinthians of the way that a parent talks to their children, right? Um, and, uh, the way that Paul admonishes and corrects. I know I've got four kids. My wife and I have four kids. There, two of them are sitting over here. My wife is over there. And uh, there are plenty of times where I have to speak into their lives and speak into what they're, they are doing and say, no, 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 nope, don't do that. Or, yeah, yeah, that's great. Keep doing that. Or, you know what, that's a great idea, but let's just tweak it just a little bit. Uh, another dynamic that's present in the letter to 1 Corinthians is it seems like Paul is responding to some questions that the Corinthians are uh, have asked him. And I know I know as a parent as well, man, there are some fun questions that our kids ask. <laughs> and, uh, and so sometimes it feels like when you're reading this letter that Paul like shifts and says, okay, now now to this question. Uh, one of the one of the more recent questions that my uh, five year old has been asking is if uh, any anything of his food like falls off his plate or like touches a, a pillow or like they're sitting on the couch touches a pillow or or maybe his elbow touches something. He's like, Dad, my lar bar touched my pillow. Is that okay? Or, Dad, my elbow touched this very specific part of the seat. Is that okay? And I have to say, yes, son, it's okay. <laughs> There's authority and comfort that's spoken to to my kids when they hear the voice of their father, when they hear the voice of their parents. And so, so Paul... As he steps into 1 Corinthians 12, he, he's answering a question. There has been some miraculous and amazing things happening in the church of Corinth that uh, they, they have asked him, hey, what's going on here? And he's speaking into it. How should we, how should we uh, deal with these things? How should we uh, act in these ways? And he responds. And he starts off by saying, so as we dive in, I'm just going to kind of read a little bit, then I'll break it down, and, and we'll, we'll go from there, okay? So the reason I, I, I kind of bring up the idea of he's kind of shifting gears and answering questions is because we just 
we just heard about the Lord's Supper. And it's a beautiful exhortation and admonishment to make sure that you are looking out for one another, that you're serving one another, that you're not, uh, that the, the, the people in Corinth were not uh, forgetting that, man, everybody, everybody who is a part of your church belongs. And then we sit, switch gears and he says, all right, now concerning spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, Verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So, so there seems to be some confusion. And Paul's saying, hey, I want you guys to understand. Let me address these things for you. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues, to another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For if the body does not consist of one member, but of many, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make it, any, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make it, uh, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. But God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. 
If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, if you are the body of Christ, sorry, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Amen? Amen. You see, Paul is, is crafting this beautiful metaphor of a body. And that's why I think it's, it's, uh, it fits in well with the theme of church health matters, right? Because one of the things that we get to do as people is steward our bodies well, steward the health of our bodies well. And so I want to talk about today a body that works. A body that works. And we're not talking about our individual bodies, although we have responsibility for that, for sure. We're going to talk about the body of Christ. How does the body of Christ work? How does it work well? How does a healthy body work? And so the first thing that we see is a body that works is diverse yet unified. I'll say that again. A body that works is diverse yet unified. And what is the unifying factor? How are we unified? And I'll point your attention to a repeated word in these first 11 verses. Starting in verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. In verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. In verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And on and on in verse 11, all these empower, are empowered by one and the same Spirit. We are unified in our diversity by the Spirit. By the presence of the Spirit. The Spirit in these verses, these first, 13, these first 11 verses, is identified 11 times. There's this principle when you're studying Scripture that if there's a repeated word, you better pay attention to it, right? And so, as Paul is stepping into this space and he's saying, hey, you've been given different gifts. You have different abilities. You have different roles. But the one thing that unifies you is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's once, that's almost one time a verse. He's, he's honing in. He's, he's drilling into these people. You have all these different things happening to you, but it's the Spirit that unifies you. And what is the Spirit's role in the believer's life? In the, in the life of the church, what is the Spirit's role. The first thing, as we are unified by the Spirit, is the Spirit's role is to exalt the Lordship of Christ in the believer's life. To exalt the Lordship of Christ in the believer's life. He's honed in on that. We are saved by grace through faith, and then God gives us His Spirit, and that Spirit empowers us to do what? 
to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. Because He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He deserves all the glory and the honor and the praise. Amen? As you see in verse, verse 3, there's this, uh, well, I'll, I'll start at verse 2. You, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. So the Corinthians were coming out of pagan worship. They were coming out of devoting themselves to, to idols, to, to false gods. And, and in those worship services, they were, they were having real experiences, but they weren't of God. They weren't of Jesus. And that's why Paul follows it up and says, hey, therefore, I, I say, I want you to understand that, that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Spirit. So like I said, in, in these pagan uh, rituals and pa- pagan worship services, they were having spiritual experiences. How many of you know there's a dark spiritual world out there? The enemy, and he would love to keep people blinded to who Jesus really is. But as we know, when the light of Christ shines in our life, we can see Jesus clearly. And he's beautiful, and he's good. And man, when we see him, don't we want to run to him, right? <laughs> he's good. And so Paul is saying, look, one of the ways you can identify whether or not someone is filled with the Spirit is, do they say, do they declare Jesus Christ is Lord? And does their, it's not just a say in it, because we can say whatever we want to say, but, but does their life reflect it? Jesus Christ is Lord. He deserves our obedience. He deserves our worship. So the the Spirit's role in each of our lives as a church, in your life as a collective church, and in you individually, is for you to be more and more in love with Jesus. For you to be more and more moved to say, I give you my life. I love that song that we were singing about the alabaster jar. That man, you Lord, you deserve more than I can give, so I'm going to give my all. And to see a life that is con- conformed and formed to the image of Christ. That's, that's the Spirit's role. <laughs> and how does the Spirit do that? The Spirit's role is also to impart and empower gifts to the church as He sees fit. So the Spirit's role unifies us by giving gifts by imparting and empowering gifts to the church as he sees fit. As he sees fit. There's a wisdom that he's, that he has because he's God, right? <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, in my own life I, I pray and I want God to act in a certain way and then he, he responds in a way that's unexpected. And I'm reminded that his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and his ways are higher than my ways. And so I rely on his wisdom, right? Lean not on your own understanding, as it says in Proverbs 3. And so as Paul steps into, okay, let me help you understand and categorize what's happening in in your midst, Corinthian church. He starts to kind of break it down and categorize what's happening there. Verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Okay, so before he even gets into the details, he's like, look, there are a ton of differences, but the same Lord. When Paul talks about gifts, he says there are different gifts, varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. That gift is is an ability given by the Spirit to invest into the community. This is not just a gift that, that I use to make myself look good. No, this is a gift that is given to me by the Spirit of God to invest into the body, to invest into the community of God. If we were to use that gift to puff up ourselves, that would be an improper use. That would be disobedient. And we would need to repent. Different gifts. There are different kinds of uh, varieties of service. And that service is the way it's worked out in the community. So the gift is what you're given to invest in the community. And then there is different service. It's the way that it's, the way that it's lived out, right? So there are, there are men and women right now in the, in the kids ministry who are teaching, right? There, I'm standing up here teaching. There, there are others of you who have the gift of teaching. It, it's applied in different ways. I mean, I would say even, uh, my brother Kevin over here, when he's leading worship, he's teaching. He's, he's, uh, exhorting us, right? So there's, it gets worked out in different ways, different kinds of service. And then there are different activities. And that word really has the idea of, of energies. There's different, uh, it's almost like there's different results to it, right? So, so we may have the same gifts, but it gets worked out in different ways. And, and really it's God who empowers, who empowers the results. What I think is amazing is that the Spirit is all over this. The Lord is, is all over this. We, we can't do this in our own strength. We need to rely on the presence of the Spirit and walk in obedience and say, okay, I, Jesus, I know what my gifts are, so I'm going to, to invest it in the community. How do you want me to serve? And so maybe, maybe you, you see a need and you start to serve there. And then you see the result. Wow, look, Lord, look what you did. <laughs> it might be something small, it might be something big, but we can, we can step back and say, wow, God, thank you for letting me participate in the life of your body and building it up. Because we know that's what he's about. So the Spirit's role is to exalt the Lordship of Christ in the believer's life. The Spirit's role is to impart and empower gifts to the church. And in verse 7 it says, He gives this manifestation for the common good. Like I said earlier, it's not just for my good. <laughs> it's for the common good. And honestly, when, when I, as a follower of Christ, as a member of the body of Christ, as, as I serve my brothers and sisters for their good, it actually ends up being my good, right? All right, so now let's jump into these gifts. I know you guys are itching to, to hear what these gifts are about, right? <laughs> so uh, let's jump into these gifts. Now, I will say that there are lots of different opinions and ideas 
and uh, theological backgrounds and all this kind of stuff to these gifts. And my job is not today to give a theological seminar on each one of these gifts, but I want to encourage you as we uh, as we uh, press into the word. All right. So in verse eight, it says, for to one is given the spirit through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Alright, so we've got a list of nine gifts here. And they're pretty... They're pretty uh, spectacular, if you will, right? Healing, miracles, uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy. These are pretty spectacular things. And these were things that were happening in the Corinthian church. What's interesting, when you start to kind of study uh, the scripture uh, in various places that spiritual gifts are, um, spiritual gifts are mentioned, uh, there's not one list of gifts that is one for one, uh, just kind of, you know, matches up one for one, if that makes sense. The, one of the other places that, uh, gifts are talked about is Romans 12, uh, where it talks about, uh, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service and our serving, the one who teaches and his teaching the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So even there, that gift, those gifts are different, right? There's some overlap, but there's some other gifts that were, that were manifested there, right? In Ephesians 4, it says he gave to the apostles, he, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So so even there, all right, so we're not talking about like specific abilities, we're talking about roles. Apostles, preacher or teachers, uh, pastors, evangelists, Shepherds. So, so there, so there are different, uh, when you look at the different lists of gifts, you see different purposes, you see different manifestations. And, and so the reason I'm bringing that up is this, is that the Spirit apportions these gifts as He wills. It's according to His wisdom. Now, is that to say we don't ask for gifts? No, 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 that's not to say that. But that's just to understand that, you know what? It's beautiful. What, what God might be doing in City Church Garland, we rejoice and we celebrate. And what God might be doing over in, uh, in another church, we rejoice and we celebrate. It might look different, but it's the same spirit who's doing some mighty, awesome things in the name of Jesus, right? So these gifts, these gifts, just, just a little bit about them. Now, now, if you, if you kind of go into the study of it, some of these, um, some of these seem to be, uh, specific to the Corinthians as, as Paul is, is writing to them. And, and so, uh, there's a little bit of a difference of opinion on how you would define some of these things, but I'll give it my best shot. <laughs> uh, so the utterance of wisdom 
and the utterance of knowledge. How are those things different? If you remember earlier in the book of Corinthians, Paul really is is uh, honing in on, you know what, the wisdom of God is different than the wisdom of the world. The knowledge of God is different than the knowledge of, of, of the world. And so in Corinth, they really had this puffed up idea of what it meant to be wise. They really had this puffed up idea of what it meant to have knowledge. And so Paul goes... He's pretty strong at the beginning. He said, hey, look, God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise of the world, right? For the wisdom of God is greater than the wisdom of man. And so, so Paul is coming back full circle and saying, hey, the wisdom of God is present within you, within your midst. And the knowledge of God is present within your midst. So uh, wisdom, just kind of in general, how I would define it is identifying the way that God works in the world identifying the way that God works in the world. So the ability to see, man, this is how God works in the world. It's wisdom. It's the way God designed things to work. If you read in, in Proverbs, I won't go too much into this, you, you see this beautiful depiction of Lady Wisdom saying, hey, come, learn from me, and I'll direct you in the way you should go. It's because God designed the world to work in a, in a particular way, and that's called wisdom. So the person who has the gift of the utterance of wisdom is able to say, hey, let me tell you, this is the way God designed the world to work. And so we should live in it, right? And so, so uh, the, the utterance of knowledge is particular insight into what the Lord is doing here. It's a particular insight to be able to speak and say, I see the Lord doing this. So it kind of goes hand in hand with wisdom, but it's more of a specific particular insight into how the Lord is working in our midst. We've heard of uh, words of knowledge where maybe there's somebody who needs to be confronted and convicted of sin. We've heard of words of knowledge where maybe someone needs to be encouraged and called up. And so really what that ends up being is God has given me particular insight into what he's doing in our midst right here, right now, in you, in me, and, it, and it's in conjunction with, with wisdom. Paul talks about to another is given the gift of faith. And this is a different, this is different than the, the, by grace you have been saved through faith, right? We all, by God's grace, have been given this faith to believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? But, but this faith is different. How many of you have known people who just like, they believe in God for some crazy things? And guess what? God shows up. And it's not that their faith necessarily like twisted God's arm to make him do things. It's just for whatever reason, they, they're connected with the Father's heart in a way where they can say, hey, I believe that God's going to do this and it happens. And that should encourage us. That should not discourage us. Oh man, brother so and so, sister so and so, they can, they just have the faith of God. Man, Praise the Lord. Lean into that. Believe in it. If if their faith has been demonstrated to be something that that uh, moves mountains, then my goodness, it's for the benefit of the body. Amen. Another gifts of healing, and that's kind of self-explanatory, right? That that the Lord uh, there's there's some instances where the Lord heals through people through the laying on of hands, through amazing things. But you know what? That doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't heal powerfully through a believer who is a physician, right? Who can, who can just work 
by God's grace with, with the wisdom and the strength that he has, that he's given them to, to, to serve well and to bring healing. Amen? Working of miracles. So how's, how's healing different than working of miracles? That's kind of the like, those amazing things, right? Where I, I heard, I've heard stories of, of people, um, uh, you know, praying in front of their church when a fire, like in California, when there's a, when there's one of those, uh, huge fires, wildfires, thank you very much, that are just kind of bearing down on a city. And there have been believers within the last 20 years <laughs> who have been standing there just arm in arm, hand in hand, just rebuking that fire, praising the Lord, asking the Lord to move, and it stops. Amen. Who am I to say that that's not the Lord working? So miracles are kind of this like, uh, these, these things that are, that, that happen naturally that you're like, oh my goodness, look at what God did. So healings, miracles, and prophecy, um, and just to, just to kind of hone in on that, you know, I think in, in, uh, chapter 14, uh, in a few weeks, Pastor Keith is gonna give you a little bit more of a, of a kind of a treatment of this word prophecy. But the way that I kind of take it is a human report of a divine revelation. A human report of a divine revelation. So there are times where God has a special message for his people. Whether it's us collectively or whether it's individually, there are times where the Lord uh, shares, uh, says, hey, this is, this is what I think and this is what I want you to say. <laughs> if you, if you've, I'm spending time in the, in the word with, uh, uh, with Ezekiel right now, and there are some, whew, there's some things that Ezekiel was asked to do that I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> but, uh, but man, it's this, it's this, and Jeremiah talks about like, look, if I tried not to say what God wanted me to say, it would be like a fire in my bones. I can't, I can't stay silent, right? So prophecy is something that the Lord has revealed to you that you report out of faithfulness. And one thing that I'm, that I'm challenged by is, uh, you leave the result up to God. You say what you need to say and leave the result up to God because Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all, the, all those prophets, they were not treated well <laughs> when they confronted, the, confronted Israel about their sin. So that's prophecy. Then there's distinguishing between spirits. So the ability to be able to discern like, oh, this is from the Lord. And over here, this is, this is something that's not of the Lord. This is of the enemy. Various kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And so there's this, uh, there's this, um, uh, the idea of tongues kind of presents itself in a couple ways in the scripture. One is this supernatural knowledge of, of a known language. We see in Acts that, that the, the, the disciples on Pentecost, they were able to preach in languages they, they previously didn't know. And then there's also, as we see in 1 Corinthians later, there's this, there's this prayer language that, uh, that God gives some people to be able to just express their hearts, their spirits to the Lord. So there are various kinds of tongues, all right? Just to break it down pretty simply. <laughs> and then there's interpretation of tongues, and that's important, as we'll see in uh, chapter 14. But I'll, I'll come back to this. Whatever the gift... Whatever the gift, whatever's manifesting, whatever spirit has given to you to, 
to bring to City Church Garland whatever the gift, it is given by the will of the Spirit. He says, I want you to have this. You need this. Here. This is yours. Use it. These are evidences of the Spirit at work in us. These are evidence of His work in us, not our moral superiority. We have to be careful. Like I said earlier, it's real easy to be operating in our giftings and say, man, you know, I'm pretty cool. But that's not the right response. That's spiritual immaturity. And that's downright disrespectful and disobedient to the Lord. This is a humble gift that we say, you've given this to me and so I give it back to you in service. So whatever gift you've been given, it is given by the will of the Spirit for the good of your brothers and sisters here. So that's a body a body that works is diverse yet unified. So we have these different gifts, uh, but it's all given by the same Spirit. So if you see your brother or sister exercising in their gifts, praise the Lord and encourage them to keep that up, right? All right. Another way that the body works is it needs it it needs different parts. The body needs different parts. So Paul moves from just talking about spiritual gifts into this metaphor of like you are part of a body. In verse 27 it says it says now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And one of my favorite things to say is you were saved to the body of Christ. You were you have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you it's not individual. It's corporate. When you were saved, you were saved to the body of Christ. So, as we think about the the complexity of this metaphor, the complexity of the human body that Paul's drawn on this metaphor, I want to share a few things with you. It's, it's amazing how the Lord created our human body. As the human body is incredibly diverse, so is the body of Christ. So let me give you some, some facts. And I'm like, wow, how did these people figure these things out? So the human body contains nearly 37.2 trillion cells. I can't even count to 1 billion, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 37.2 trillion cells. The average adult, ready, takes 22,000 breaths a day. Can you imagine counting your breaths? Like, one, right? <laughs> but y'all don't have to think about it. That's how amazing the body is. It's automated, right? The human brain contains about 100 billion nerve cells. 100 billion nerve cells. The information that is communicated through the nerves is at a speed of about 248 miles per hour. That's why it's so instantaneous, right? <laughs> and then scientists estimate, ready, that the nose can distinguish between a trillion smells. Like I said, I can't even count to a trillion, but apparently my nose can, right? And the reason I say that is, think about how diverse our body is. 37 trillion cells? 
each doing their own part to make a fully functional human being? And when one part doesn't do its part, we know it, right? We feel it. It's every part belongs. And so I think, uh, from what I understand as I'm, as I'm reading, Paul is very specific to say everyone belongs. Verse 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into the body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. We all are unified in the spirit. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, oh, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Okay, so the point is this. We all have to bring our part. Every part belongs. There may be somebody here today who says, I don't fit here. I don't have anything to contribute. Is that you this morning? Maybe you're doubting your role. Maybe you're doubting the gift that, that, that the Spirit has even given you a gift. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that God has given you a gift. God, by His Spirit, has empowered you to be a part of His body. And if you were missing, the body wouldn't be whole. So come on. Bring it. Embrace your role. Any gift... Any gift exercised with the Christ, with true Christ-likeness serves to build up his body, which is the church. Any gift. There are a variety, like earlier, there are a variety of gifts. There are a variety of services. There are uh, varieties of activities. And so our job is to step into it with whatever role God has given us. Can you imagine... Can you imagine if my pinky <laughs> said, oh, I'm not as cool as my forearm and just left, right? Did you know that you would lose about 50% of your grip strength if you didn't have your pinky? Doesn't seem like it's that important, right? But it is. So even the most, what maybe we would say inconsequential parts of the body, they belong. The body's not whole if they're not there. And so... I don't know what you're feeling today, but God wants you here. He brought you here. The Spirit has, has empowered you to be here for your specific purpose. And you gotta bring your part, no matter how big, no matter how small. Because the body that works needs its different parts. So steward the gift that God has given you. Steward it well. It is precious and good. And he has given you a specific purpose here. Not just in City Church Garland, but in the whole body of Christ. You do your part. 
You do your part. You do what God has called you to do here. And it is for the health of the global church. Think about that. Think about that. Thirdly, a body that works, honors, and cares for its different parts. So there were some in the Corinthian church who were saying, Hey, uh, I don't have these crazy gifts, so maybe I don't belong. And yet there were others in the church who were saying, uh, Who are you that you don't have these gifts? We don't, you're not a, <laughs> says, uh, uh, you, uh, I have no need of you. Not again, nor again of the head to the feet. I have no need of you. The body doesn't say that, right? So there, there may have been, in, as we know, the Corinthians were struggling with some arrogance and pride. And we know from the previous chapter that they were actually excluding some people that perhaps they didn't think were as important. And so Paul is saying, he says to the people that were excluded, hey, you belong, be here. And he says to the people who were doing the excluding, Y'all need to stop that. Because everyone belongs. You are not a healthy body if all of your parts are not present. So honor belongs to every part of the body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You think about like, think about the sensitivity of our eyes, right? Man, if I just poke my eye the wrong way, ooh, that'll take me out, right? Or even even the strength uh, and resilience of our heart, right? It's protected. It's it's incredibly important, but it is protected, right? So in some ways, it's 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 weaker. And so the body does its work to protect the weaker parts. Not to reject the weaker parts. I'm going to say that one more time. The body, a healthy body, protects the weaker parts. It does not reject it. In verse 23, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. So we know that there are, there are parts of our body that we don't present. There are parts of our body that, that we keep covered. And it's almost like we're honoring and respecting those parts by the way that we treat them. So the weaker, the unpresentable parts, we give honor. We include, we, we care for it, for those parts. You think about if, I don't know, maybe there are, uh, you've been in a, in a situation, I'll, I'll assume that doesn't happen here. Well, <laughs> maybe you've been in a situation where you've been in a group and, and someone, and you're like, man, who is this person? What are they doing here? Right? They're your brothers, they're your brother or sister. They're a part of the body of Christ. And so, contrary to the wisdom of the world, contrary to the knowledge of the world, the body of Christ moves toward the weak, moves toward the unpresentable and honors. And honors. And that's what a healthy body does. You know, the Corinthians valued appearance. And the, and, uh, and the body of Christ values the dignity of all its members. In fact, it's a key marker of kingdom life 
And that's the reversal of the world system. So in verse 26 it says, um, verse 26 it says this, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So we live in solidarity with one another. We live in solidarity with one another. Why? Because, because what happens to one part of our body happens to the rest of us. Sometimes I get really, really bad migraines. Really bad migraines. It takes me out. My knee doesn't hurt. My big toe doesn't hurt. Sometimes my stomach reacts. My sympathetic nervous system reacts and I actually vomit, right? <laughs> There's, but that's not what hurts. My head hurts. So our body suffers with those who suffer, but it also rejoices with those who rejoice. I got to see a really beautiful um, example of this in the in the church that that I attend and I work at uh, here in the last in the last month or so. Uh, to make a long story short, there was a uh, a family in our church who about six years ago. Uh, their 18-month-old daughter had a tragic drowning accident. And by God's grace, she didn't die in that accident. She was, uh, she was carefully into the hospital. It was this flurry of prayer and activity, and she survived, but she had some really difficult ramifications of that. And so for, for five years, the church rallied around this family to, to see this little, this sweet little girl make progress, any progress. She wasn't able to do the same things that a normal five-year-old was able to do, but man, when she smiled, it lit up the room. When she was able to push herself up, everybody clapped and said, yeah, praise the Lord. So the church rallied around this sister. And then uh, earlier this, uh, earlier in the month of June, um, the parents discovered uh, in the middle of the night that she had passed away. And I remember sitting, they were out of town at the time, and I remember sitting in a meeting where it was announced they weren't even with us. And the response from the church was just mourning, lamenting. Just to see the, the heaviness and brokenness. Oh, she's gone. And then immediately the home group was like, okay, how can we? They're, they're in Austin right now. We're going to drive. Someone who's going to drive down there to be with them, right? And, and who, who's going to take a meals? And there was just like immediate action to care for this member of our body. And the family had to be like, oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Thank you. We need a little bit of space. But man, when, they were just enveloped in the arms of the church. And so that, that's a vivid example to me of when one member suffers, we all suffer. When one member rejoices, we all rejoice. And so to, to come alongside one another and, and in those life situations, that's, that's a privilege and, and a joy. And we each get to use our gifts. We each get to use our gifts. To build a body up. Alright, lastly, a body that works does all these things in the extraordinary spaces of life and in the mundane spaces of life. I think I would be, uh, uh, I would be remiss to say that it's not just the big moments that we're living as 
living out our gifts. It's not just the big triumphant moments. You, man, praise the Lord. I'm excited for what God's going to do during VBS. <laughs> I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see who he's going to bring and, and the kids' lives are going to be touched. And we can say, wow, look at God. But also, we could say, look at God in the daily, in and out, in the, in the weekly small groups, <laughs> when we just get together and remember and rejoice in who Jesus is and the women's Bible study and just the, in the daily, life that these gifts are how we operate with one another and i'll end with a quote if you want to come up i'll end with a quote to be truly spiritual drives a person neither to ecstasy nor to individualism nor to otherworldliness so when we're spiritual it doesn't Make us live this kind of larger than life, superhero kind of life. What it does is a spiritual person, it, it leads us into, it drives us into the life of the local church as an expression of his or her personal commitment to Jesus as Lord and to his body here on earth. And so as we end our time today, I want to ask you, are there spaces where you feel like the Lord has overlooked you in a gift? Are there, are there times in your life where maybe there's a question of like, Lord, what's my, what's my place here? Maybe you doubt You doubt the Spirit's work in your life. Well, I'm here to tell you that. The Spirit is living and active, and He's moving in you. If you cry, Jesus is Lord, then the Spirit is in you. So I want to encourage you, exhort you this morning, lay down your hurts, lay down your, your doubt, and ask the Lord to give you Sight to see where he's gifted you. To bring your part. Then maybe there's a part of you, maybe there's some of you here who who are struggling <laughs> with, a, with a brother or sister. Maybe might be struggling with pride. I don't know what it is, but maybe you need to lay down your pride. Maybe you, Maybe it's not against somebody else. Maybe it's just There's something in you that's starting to think of yourself more highly than you ought. So be be reminded. Be reminded that, yes, Jesus loves you. (laughs) The Spirit's gifted you. But it's not to bring glory to yourself. It's to bring glory to Him. And to build up the church. So, as we respond, and maybe you just want to just worship the Lord and thank Him for the ways that He has moved in your midst, in your body. Maybe recommit to Him in humility and obedience to continue to participate here in this local church. So as we pray, I'll, and as we pray and sing, I'll I'll lead us out with prayer and then, brother, you can, can lead us. 
But Father, we look to you. And we ask forgiveness for any time that we in our hearts have made ourselves to be greater than we are. We recognize the gifts that you've given us are from you and you alone to be used for you and you alone to build up your body. So I pray for those of us who are struggling to see where you've placed them, where you've gifted them. I pray that you would give them the courage and strength to step out in faith. That you would give them eyes to see how you have empowered them, how you've gifted them. I pray that, Holy Spirit, that your work here in City Church Garland would be a fire that is just lit up and fanned into flames so that the light of Jesus Christ would be clearly seen in each and every one of my brothers and sisters' lives. I thank you. I thank you for this church. Thank you for their faithfulness to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.